Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The offside rule, we get it, is brought to you by Continental Tyres. Hello, welcome to a very sunny episode of The Offside Rule, We Get It, brought to you by Continental Tyres, getting you to the game safely. I'm Lindsay Hooper, joined by, you can reveal yourselves. Big reveal. It's me, Hayley McQueen. (laughs) Please don't reveal too much. This is a family show. It's Kate Borsay. Hello. I have to say, sunny episode, because it is beautiful. Nice spring day. I have to say, because we have a birthday theme to this podcast, it is today, um, Rivaldo's birthday, 44. It's also your birthday soon, Lindsay Hooper. It is my birthday soon. We'll tie that in, although it's not meant to be about that. It was more to do with the fact that Rafa Benitez celebrated Newcastle's first win on his birthday. And also, um, I found another one, Trevor Francis. It's his birthday today as we record. So lots of birthdays. That's um, quite fitting that we've got that as a theme. Me and his wife share the same hairdresser. There you go. It's my claim to fame. Well, the big reveal has already happened with topics, though. So birthdays is a theme. Um, I want you to give me some examples of when players, managers, results have happened on people's birthdays in football. There have been quite a few. Also, we're going to go on to talk about knighthoods. Please arise. Everyone's saying, should Leicester go on? And now it's not looking as definite, is it? Uh, Claudio Ranieri should be knighted if Leicester City win the Premier League. I don't think many people would disagree that it will be a real big achievement. But who else in the world of football, you can be outlandish, deserves a knighthood? Uh, we'll talk about that. You should, by the way, watch the footage of Ranieri when, when a reporter says to him after the match at the weekend, what do you think about being knighted? And he... Um, and he turned to the kind of press officer at Leicester and said, uh, what is these knighted? And she said, well, you know, Sir Claudio. And he sort of popped up and said to the press, Sir Claudio, unbelievable, I like it. It was oh. so, but he was, he was honestly, it was great entertainment. It was a really funny moment. So that is what's coming up on this podcast. The female take on football. But ladies, we're going to begin with the PFA Players nominees. Um, This is all happening at the weekend. We will find out who wins in each category. So before that reveal happens, uh, we're going to have our own say on this. There's four categories in particular that I want you to tell me who you would give the award to. Men's PFA Players Player of the Year, the Men's PFA Young Player of the Year, the Women's PFA Players Player of the Year, and the Women's PFA Young Player of the Year. I also want an extra player that you think should have figured in one of those categories. You can nominate them in any one. So we'll start with Hayley. Should we do a round robin on each category? PFA Players Player of the Year for the men. The shortlist, Dimitri Payet West Ham, Harry Kane Spurs, Jamie Vardy Leicester, Mesut Ozil Arsenal, N'Golo Kante Leicester and Riyad Mahrez Leicester. Who would you give the gong to? Well, when you break down the actual stats, the statos have calculated for each club and they've taken into consideration obviously goals, minutes played, assists and shots on target. Now, Mares was actually 11th behind City's David Silva and Chelsea's Cesc Fabregas. They came second and third in this. But at the very top, it was Mesut Ozil. Funnily enough, uh, Aston Villa's Carlos Gilles. When you look at 
minutes played and, and goals scored, Mesut Ozil comes way out on top, completely blows the opposition uh, away. Up there, you've got uh, Coutinho, Silva, Schweinsteiger, Fabregas. You've got to punch up there as well as Barkley as well. But to Arsenal, a team you may not expect to be right up there in the midst of things because, of course, they're not up there with the likes of Tottenham yet or uh, Leicester, where it's a two-horse race. But his total is 3,000 when you add all of this up. So as far as players are concerned... You would think that a player from the side that wins the league will be winning that award. Well, actually, I'm going to give my award to a Leicester player. And what I find fascinating at the moment is that we're talking about Leicester winning. And now anything below that, it's like, well, actually, maybe we'll celebrate Spurs season or we'll celebrate someone else. When actually, let's take it right back to the beginning. To even get in Champions League places for Leicester yeah. this season is phenomenal. If they came runners up, it would be phenomenal. If they win, it will be once in a lifetime territory. So whether they win or whether they come runners up, which I think they'll be one or the other, I still think it's Leicester City's season to be applauded and to be celebrated. And I think for the pure reason that this player won't get another opportunity, I think Harry Kane will have a future opportunity to win this award. And he won it last year for young player, didn't he? So Whereas Jamie Vardy, his journey from non-league to Premier League, the fact that he's made history and beaten Rude Van Nistelrooy's record for scoring in consecutive games in this Premier League season, and those goals have to have been a major factor as to why Leicester have done so well. Yes, I know what you're saying. He's going to be missing for a few games, unfortunately for him. His emotions spilled over and it was one of the those situations where the referee didn't have a very good game either all round but that might even give him the hunger that when he does come back for the last couple of games two three games he could even be electric even more and become top goal scorer who knows I think he'll have a point to prove I think this is his season I think if anyone looks back and goes 2016 the Premier League I think it will be Jamie Vardy that you say first. And that's probably down to his partnership with Mares and likewise Mares with Vardy. So if Vardy wins the award, it's actually an award which Mares will be celebrating as well because the two of them combined have pretty much tormented defences up and down the country. But when you look at Mares' stats, he scored the winning goal in Premier League games more often than anyone else in this season. Obviously, we, we look back at the year, we look towards the end of last season. His goals this season, no other midfielder in the top five European leagues can better Mares's goal-scoring assists and stats on the pitch. So I think for me, Mesut Ozil is up there as someone statistically who could win it when you look at it and break it down, but won't because he's simply an Arsenal player. It might be a toss-up between Vardy and Mares, but for me, I'm, I'm going to plump with Mares if, if I have to put a little bet on it. Well, funny you should say that, Hayley, because I have also gone for Mares because who was it who fired in when Vardy went off the ball during the winter? He had that sort of slightly dry patch, didn't he? And it was Mares who powered Leicester on, in my opinion. He really kept it together. And it's such a crucial point of the season as well because if Vardy went off the boil, Mares went off the ball because Vardy did because they have such a good kind of working partnership together on the pitch. The whole season could have capitulated for Leicester, but Mares took the responsibility and I think was largely responsible 
responsible for keeping that good run going. 17 goals in all competitions, um, 10 assists. So, you know, really, really excellent uh, stats on the pitch. And only one yellow card, which for me is important when you're looking at players who might potentially exploit situations to keep their side in the game. So only one yellow for him. I think he's just exciting to watch wherever he is on the pitch, obviously, particularly on the wing. And he's a find, isn't he? He's been one of those exciting players. And I know Vardy's come into the spotlight, but I kind of almost need to see more from Vardy next season to be truly convinced that he's not a one-season player. No, I agree. But that's my point, is I don't think Vardy will have another season like this. I think this is his one chance. Can you imagine you perform the best of your ability? You surpass all of your expectations, all the expectations of anybody. You break records. You help your team that are deemed to be relegation candidates and to be top of the league. You are English. You're young talent. You came from non-league. You have the season of your life. If he doesn't win it now, never will. Let's move on to Young Player of the Year and who you have for this. Let's go reverse order. Start with Kate for this one. So out of the list, who would you say is the front runner? Well, for me, it's a talent I spoke about at the start of the season and I'm really glad I did. And what I saw glimpses of uh, last season from him at Milton Keynes, we've seen a player become really exciting and adapt to the Premier League so well. You've got to remember that only 11 months ago, Deli Ali, the player who I think should win this award, was helping MK Dons win promotion. And look at what an amazing season he's had in terms of breakout performance and in terms of the nature of this award the young player of the year I think he gets it for me he's been consistent again he's gifted and you can turn to him for anything I think that that's what makes him important not only that but look his manager at Milton Keynes has been talking about this player for so long any fans of Milton Keynes any fans of league football will have known about Deli Alley long before fans of the Premier League he's been lauded for a long period of time as a potential and as someone who doesn't matter what you do with him what position you put him in almost he performs he's got that level of skill and so for me the fact that he's been built up for such a period of time if you're in that particular arena and that he's delivered is exceptional I think he's had an exceptional season it's got to go to him one of the big achievements you'd have to say as well is becoming one of the first names that must be on Pochettino's team sheet Mm. the rotation that Poch has had yet Deli Ali gets the nod more times than not he is one of the main contenders and And I would say it's between him and one other. And my one other, I'm going to give you a justification as to why maybe it should be him. My selection is Romelu Lukaku. From the point of view that if you remove him from that Everton team this season, I think they are relegated. You remove Romelu Lukaku and that is what you're left with. You're left with a team that are probably in the bottom four, fighting at the end of the season. I always forget how young he still is as well. So I'm going to say, from the point of view of importance to the team and how the team would have got on without them, Romelu Lukaku is perhaps more crucial to that Everton team than what Deli Ali is to Spurs. I figured one of you guys would have Deli Ali, so I thought just to mix things up, I will go for another Leicester player and make it a, a double scoop in the PFA Awards. And I've gone for a man, he's 25, so he's still not young, but he is young enough to be in this category. And it was a player whose impact I don't think we could have predicted. He signed from Frenchside uh, Shan for £5.6 million in the summer and joined Leicester City. It is the unsung hero, I think, for the majority of the season 
season. In Kante, a Frenchman whose idol is Lasana Diara, has been compared to Claude Makélélé and, and, and hailed as the next amazing bright thing to come from France. And Thierry Henry says, you know, it's just it's it's brilliant. He loves him. He thinks he's really exciting. And the fact that this last couple of years for him have been real standout years. Normally, the French players that come through break through really young, and then they have a lot of pressure on them. Whereas he's kind of had the time just to go about his business in the French leagues without without the spotlight on him and just goes about his business in a very quiet way. Now, it probably will be a striker that goes and wins this award, but I think for a player whose stats really show just how amazing he has been this season, the most interceptions of any other player, 134. He's also got more tackles than any other player, 146. He's been consistent. He's played in every single game uh, for Leicester this season so far, coming on as a substitute when Jamie Vardy was taken off in the game against Sunderland early on. And um, yeah, 33, 34 appearances by the time this goes out, if providing he plays in the next game as well. I just think he's a young player who deserves a spotlight shown on him, but he certainly hasn't been someone that's made all the headlines like your Ali's and, and whatnot. So Kante's your your add-in because he's not in that shortlist because I'm just going to remind everyone and I didn't do this at the beginning. So Deli Ali from Spurs, Harry Kane from Spurs, Jack Butland Stoke, Philippe Coutinho Liverpool, yeah. Romelu Lukaku Everton and Ross Barkley Everton. Those are the nominees for the PFA Young Player of the Year in the men's category. Deli Ali has to win it for me. There is no other contender in that. Absolutely 100% has to win this one. But I think Kante is somebody, he's not going to get on the list next year because he's going to be far too old. I don't think he's going to make the main list either. But as somebody that we include in there that wasn't involved yeah for me it's candy so we've had your one we'll call it a joker card shall we you've played yours we're going to do the women's pfa players player of the year and the shortlist for that beth mead from sunderland Gemma davison chelsea oh i love saying hedvig lindahl lindahl um hedvig lindahl from chelsea izzy christensen manchester city and ji so yun from chelsea who do you think will be the recipient of the award for this Well, I haven't gone for who I think will be the recipient. I've gone for who I would give it to. Three Chelsea players in there, as we know. And I'm going to give it to Hedvig Lindahl because I don't think goalkeepers get enough recognition. I think that Chelsea team particularly, they're famed, aren't they, for their attacking front three with Frank Kirby, Davidson, Jiso Young. You've got any Aluko there as well. And of course, they grab the headlines, but I don't think you can underestimate what Lindahl's done at that team in terms of shoring them up. They could score as many goals as they wanted to, but if they leak through the defence, we know that they're not going to win the league as they did do last year. So for me, I think she's hugely influential amongst the players. I know she's popular in the dressing room as well. And we forget that she's come from abroad and she's adapted to that team and to that setup really, really well. And what I think she's done is she's helped Chelsea to move on a level in terms of their footballing ability. So for me, in terms of being an inspiration and a calming influence and someone who I think probably has an influence more than we think within that team, I'm going to give it to her. Watching all of these players for a while, the player I'm selecting is the Manchester City player, Izzy Christensen. Now, you'd think when Chelsea have, have done the double in a season, it should go to a Chelsea player. So I sort of agree with with your thinking and rationale behind her. And also I think So Young scored some absolutely phenomenal yeah. goals in the WSL last season. But the reason I'm choosing Izzy Christensen is having watched all of those players, she's the most improved. Mm-hmm. Out of all of them, she has improved by the 
biggest amount. I think she's got super potential. Being at Manchester City has obviously really been a good move for her. She's still very young as well. I think she'll be a future England great. She's got and developed this maturity and also a confidence on the ball that I didn't see her have in previous seasons. So it's very exciting to watch her. And I think just from the pure ability of saying, if you looked at them this time last season and looked at them now, I would just say she's come on the most. We saw her score the winner in the Continental Cup final for Manchester City, uh, of course, a year or so back. And I think, you know, moments like that in a player's career can often spur them on, give them the confidence to know that they can change match situations. They can have that influence, even though they're really young. This is a youngster that I've gone for. I don't think is going to win it, but flying the flag for football in the northeast, which is getting a lot of attention at the moment. And there's certainly a young generation coming through. And I think this youngster, Beth Mead, having risen to number four in the women's world rankings, the England team, she's been part of a generation of players right now who are pretty much transforming the way that women's football is going. So she's one for the future. She says she's still got a lot of work to do, but she's juggling doing a degree at the moment at Teesside University, which is one of the other reasons why I've selected her. Because she's from the North East, she's playing for the team that she supports. She's born in Whitby. And she said, you know, watching that England team in the World Cup was the biggest inspiration for me. I want to play at that level. In fact, I'd love to be the England captain one day. She's just 20 years old, but certainly the figurehead of Sunderland ladies. I think for North East football and for the Sunderland side, for a young player like this, she's idolised by a lot of the girls up there. People in the area know this girl's name. Yes, Beth Mead, a good shout, you know, debut WSL season for her and she really sparkled. Interesting as well because Sunderland were the team that were written off. They were the ones that were meant to be relegated. So an achievement there and, and her goals were massively important. 12 14 games, in fact. Mm. That's quite impressive. And she scored a hat-trick mm. against Chelsea. She's actually my pick for our final category, so I'll let you... <laughs> <laughs> we'll let seamlessly move on to that, shall we? OK, seamlessly. Um, Women's PFA Young Player of the Year. So Beth Mead from Sunderland's in there again. Uh, Danielle Carter from Arsenal. Hannah Blundell, Chelsea. Kira Walsh, Manchester City. And we'll go with you, Kate, because you've already told us. Well, Hayley's already told us everything we need to know about Beth Mead. So she's my pick. I think we might all be in agreement here. I've got Beth Mead, Sunderland. I don't think think you can ignore those stats she didn't quite make it for the main category for me for the the young player she does I am going to say though and watch her this season Danielle Carter Arsenal has come on no end she'll be my Izzy Christian for this season I think she's brilliantly driven and got so much energy Um, she's chasing down everything her finishing seems to have improved so Dan Carter is one to watch for next year Yeah, so for me, obviously, I've already mentioned Beth Mead there. And for a fellow Northeasterner, I'm going to stick with her for, why not, scooping both awards. She's probably not going to do it, but one or the other will do me. You've given her the double. And I'm going to add in just the biggest omission from this list that I think there is possible. It does come in the men's category. It comes in the player's player. And I think of all the the players talking in the dressing room and how a certain Sergio Aguero never came to mind. It looks like Aguero could go on to be the top goal scorer this season. Mm -hmm. Manchester City in the semi-finals of the Champions League as well. It's quite crazy. I understand that he's maybe not been in the limelight as much because it's been a bit of a fluctuating season for him he's had moments where he's getting goals and getting hat-tricks and then he goes off the radar a little but you cannot deny the quality of this striker and he's not on the list so I'm putting in Sergio 
I'm going to add in a young player, and that's uh, Arsenal right back Hector Bellerin. Hayley, you mentioned that these awards would never go to Arsenal players. Well, that's why I'm jimmying in there Hector Bellerin, 21 years old, known for his speed, of course, as one of his main attributes. I think, you know, he's he's been a surprise for me this year because I think he's come into that back forward Arsenal and contributed so much defensively, but also contributed going forward as well. In fact, we spoke to Enia Luko about the fastest players, didn't we, mm. in the Premier League? Well, Bellerin actually broke the World Cup's 40-metre Arsenal sprint record <laughs> by a hundredth of a second, not to be underestimated. <laughs> and it's also worth noting that with the Spaniard in the side, Arsenal win nearly 60% of their games without him. That tumbles down to 30%. So the manner in which he was kind of dropped in that side early on in the season, the fact that he's adapted and that Arsenal have got such a good defensive record, and that's a lot to do with Bellerin as well. For influence and for someone who surprised me this season, I would definitely uh, shoehorn him into the the Young Player Award. I'm Gary Neville and you're listening to The Offside Rule. Now, Newcastle fans were rejoicing at the weekend because they witnessed under Rafa Benitez a first victory. Unfortunately, Sunderland went and won as well. But a little fact about that match for Newcastle was that it was also Rafa Benitez's birthday. And um, after doing this podcast for over three seasons now, occasionally we struggle around for topics. So uh, the birthday thing was something I was going to latch on to because it's also at the forefront of my mind right now (laughs) because I will be turning another year older at the end of the week too. It's all about football though. I'm not, I'm not going to try and take any of the limelight from this. It is about football. It's about results that maybe have come on people's birthdays, people who've scored winning goals on their birthdays, managers who celebrated like Rafa on his birthday. Um, so with a birthday theme, blow out the candles and tell me which footballers did what on their very special day, Hayley. Well, happy birthday to you first, oh. Lindsay, of course. <laughs> Celebrating another year and getting not just older, but wiser. Mm. So much wiser. Oh. Yeah, I like, I like the wise. Mm. Yeah. Established. Established. Mm. Yeah, old. No, and Kate and I are older, so there you go. I'm always going to have that. Yeah, yeah. See, 36 years ago, actually, on December the 8th, the day before I was born, I'll give you a little story. My father was playing football. He'd gone from Leeds United to Manchester United, which was just not the done thing at the time. Few players have done it and been hated for it. So he left Leeds. Joe Jordan is his best friend, and Pal within the Leeds United side had both promised that they were never going to leave the club to go to their arch rivals at the time. But of course they did. Fixtures came out. Dad's first game playing for Manchester United against Leeds was around about the time I was due to be born. I was actually due around about Christmas. So two weeks early, my mum goes into labour. My dad goes to the football match. <laughs> He goes because he's in a squad. He didn't actually play. He wasn't in the first 11, but he was on the bench because it was a huge, huge game. Back then, 1979, obviously the rivalry between Leeds and Man United, for those of you a certain age listening will know all about that. Those of you under a certain age will be like, what on earth is she going on about? So for a former player of the side, Joe Jordan was also involved in the starting 11 then. It was when they had great Scottish players playing in the team for both sides. Uh, My mum went to hospital. My dad dropped her off at the hospital at St Mary's in Manchester and then went to Old Trafford to play in the match. They drew, they drew one all. Dad actually came on off the bench and I wasn't born until the early hours of the following morning. So that's a little birthday story for you related to me and football. 
Well, Ronald Koeman's someone who's had quite a bit of luck on his birthday. Uh, when I was searching through the archives, uh, trying to find some birthday stories, I noticed that this year his uh, side uh, went from 2-0 down to beat Liverpool 3-2. Thank you very much. <laughs> but important result, he said at the time, for European qualification. And it was the day before his birthday. There you go. So he said, tomorrow is my birthday and this is the best present I could get. Go back to last year, 2015, and Southampton played Burnley. They won 2-0. Again, on Cooman's birthday, 52 last year, 53 this year, um, and greeted with choruses of happy birthday at St Mary's. So Ronald Cooman, a manager, seems to have uh, particular luck, well, for the last two years anyway, (laughs) on his birthday or around about there. I think the scoring on your birthday and then scoring on what is deemed to be a big birthday. Mm-hmm. Santi Cazorla scored on his 30th mm-hmm. birthday. Not only one goal, two. He got a brace for Arsenal. That was against Newcastle last December, if you remember. And there are two players that have scored hat-tricks on their birthday. And they're both against Midlands teams. One of them I don't want to mention because it was against Wolves. <laughs> and the other one I definitely will mention is Carlos Tevez for Manchester City against West Brom um, in 2011. On his 27th birthday, he scored three goals. And because I can reveal, I will say that Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank was the player who scored three for Chelsea. That was in 2004 on his 32nd birthday against Wolves. A couple of little other facts. I felt quite sorry for certain players and I can give you one example because I thought wouldn't it be great to score in the Premier League on your birthday but of course not every player can because people like Paul Frank Lampard are born in June (laughs) that's never gonna happen (laughs) so there won't ever be any birthday goals for him Uh, Brendan Rodgers and Jose Mourinho share a birthday by the way so do um, Carrie Brown and I do you there you go there must be must be something in the water which leads me nicely on to say February the 5th, you mentioned Carlos Tevez scoring on his birthday. Well, guess who he shares his birthday with? This is probably the most famous day in all year because not only is it Carlos Tevez's birthday, it's Neymar's, it's Cristiano Ronaldo's, it's also Adnan Yanazai's, it's also veteran Corluca, Rodrigo Palacio, uh, Hagi, also, David Sullivan, the West Ham co-owner. I know he's, obviously he's not a footballer, but he's a famous man involved in football. And Michael Sheen, the actor, of course, who played the legendary Brian Clough, the Damned United. Yeah. It's also his birthday on February the 5th. We should have that as football day. Yeah. National football day. Yeah. Um, when Massimo Cellino took over at Leeds, he made himself not very popular for a number of reasons, but he had a big dislike of the number 17. He thought it was an unlucky number. And because of this, according to press reports at the time, when he learnt that Paddy Kenny was born on the 17th, he decided that Paddy Kenny was not for Leeds, was not no. for the squad. This, this is what the newspaper said, basically, that he thought it was unlucky. Apparently, he also didn't particularly favour Paddy Kenny anyway. By the way, Cellini didn't like the number 17 so much that when he was at Cagliari, when he was uh, owner-chairman there, um, he replaced the seat number 17 with 16 Bs. There were no 17 numbered oh. seats. That's how much he didn't like it. Um, at the time, Paddy Kenny was one of Leeds' highest earners. He was earning about 10 grand a week. His agent laughed off these suggestions. However, Paddy Kenny did leave a month or so later. So whether there was anything to it or not, who knows? But yeah, we definitely know that Chilino didn't like the number 17. Follow us on Twitter at Offside Rule Pod and like our page on Facebook. Simply type in the Offside Rule We Get In. There's only one of us. Now, finally, please arise. I, I could see you being made a dame, Hayley McQueen, oh, at some yeah. point. Yeah. All of us, to be fair. Um, But who do we think 
deserves to be a knight in football. Now, you can pick anybody you like. There have been rumours that it could be Sir Claudio Ranieri. (laughs) And so this can go abroad as well, because obviously he's Italian. You don't have to keep within this country. So who would you knight in football and why? Bobby Charlton always said it should be to honour someone's lifetime in football. I remember when there was obviously talk that David Beckham was going to be Sir David Beckham and everyone was, oh, give him a knighthood. He said, absolutely not. And you'd think him would be championing a former Manchester United and England player. And he said, no, 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 this is not right. You should be awarding those who've served for, you know, decades within the game. And what about someone like Arsene Wenger? Sir Arsene! Do you think? Because of what he's given to the game. Bobby Moore was never given a knighthood either, which is a real shame. He obviously died at quite an early age. I think Arsenal fans would give him a knighthood as long as he left at the same time. A foreign manager bringing new ways into the game and doing stuff and leading a top flight team for such a long period of time. Why not? Sir Hassan, stand up. Well, Wayne Rooney was asked who he thought should get a knighthood and he said, Ryan Giggs, Ryan Giggs should be Sir Ryan Giggs. Absolutely not. His personal life scandal won't allow it, Um, nor should it. What about Kenny Dalglish? You might agree with this one for everything that he's done for Hillsborough, not necessarily as football management, but his career as a player and everything that he's done for Hillsborough, particularly being highlighted yet again, another year, another anniversary and another reminder of the awful things that can happen in football, but the great things that can come together from a community who are so bonded over such a tragedy and and Kenny Dalglish has been a constant every year of course making sure the anniversary is honoured and the 360 odd days for the rest of the year when he's been there for all the families and and those who lost their lives. Yeah I think so he played a major part in that and we know well, many of us know how um, he sent a, a representative to every single funeral. And we've, of course, been hearing uh, as the latest um, Hillsborough inquest runs through the courts exactly more detail on that as well. So, yeah, I think, you know, even as a manager too and as a player and as a personality and as someone who has fought for justice along with many other people for Hillsborough, yeah, I would give it to Kenny. I think it's um, he's already King Kenny, isn't he, in my mind, but, but he, he can be Sir Kenny. Um, I've got a couple of stupid ones for you. For services to super Superstition, as we've heard earlier, Massimo Cellino. Got to be Sir Massimo, services to superstition. How about services to PR, marketing, public relations? That would have to be Mike Ashley. Any way possible he can get his branding on anything or give a coat away with his branding on it or whatever it is. Let's say arise Sir Mike Ashley for services to. I didn't know that you could PR that, but you have. Can anyone guess um, what was invented by Heiner Alemannia that I would love to award him a knighthood? I think it's changed everything in football. Shin pads? No. <laughs> the foam? Yes. Ah. The vanishing foam. I love the vanishing spray because I used to hate, it was my pet hate creeping forwards off that line. I hated it. Absolutely hated it. Now it can't happen. So I'm knighting him. And then Hayley, I'm relying on your memory here because I can't remember it. But do you remember our favourite headline in football? Oh. And it was... Something, something atrocious at the end. It go was ballistic. Super Cali, go, go ballistic. Something are atrocious. Some, Who was it? I Who was the other club? Remember. It was Super Cali, go ballistic. And then I can't remember that are atrocious. Oh, I can't either. <laughs> it's going to make you want to look it up. Yeah. But I think we should knight the headline writer for that. My favourite headline, sports headline ever. 
Celtic are atrocious. Oh, and actually, they are, aren't they? Crashing out of the <laughs> Scottish Cup, allowing Rangers to get their place in the final. Oh, dear. Um, thank you very much for downloading this episode of The Offside Rule. We will be back next week. I'll be a year older and that little bit wiser, as Hayley McQueen pointed out. Thank you very much for downloading and go to the website, offsiderulepodcast.com, for the latest articles. You can consume so much more football stuff over there. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Offside Rule Pod and give us a like on Facebook. Thank you very much. We'll be back next week. The Offside Rule We Get It is brought to you by Continental Tyres. Sports Social Podcast Network.